Good morning and welcome to the Daily with Silstein on Anchor FM presents the Coffee Chronicles. Happy Wednesday. I wanted to, uh, I'm drinking my cup of coffee. I hope you're enjoying yours because it all begins with coffee as I always say. But I wanted to start today by wishing my father-in-law, our dad, or Papa Stein as my kids call him, Grandpa Papa Stein, um, a very happy and blessed birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. I hope you have an amazing one. We can't wait to celebrate with you on Sunday, but we wish you a very happy and blessed, blessed day. Thank you so, so much for all you do, you and Mom. And uh, we'll get started on, uh, we're going to get started with the Daily Whistle Stein Presents the Coffee Chronicles. We'll be right back. And I hope you're enjoying your coffee because, like I said, it all begins with coffee. Happy Wednesday. And welcome back to The Daily with Silstein on Anchor FM presents The Coffee Chronicles. Happy Wednesday. Now today, um, I don't have the coffee maker because um, I, well, I do have the Keurig, but I did my coffee a bit ago, so I didn't have time to record on the, the coffee machine that you hear in the morning, usually when I do The Daily with Silstein presents The Coffee Chronicles. So I'm drinking my cup of coffee now. Hope you're sipping your coffee and enjoying your day. But for today, I'm in the other room because my son's doing a recording for his band class um, on the remote learning that they're still doing. Uh, All of my kids are all working on their stuff right now. But today is the first day that I do not only recommend books, but I'm going to do an author spotlight on one of my favorite authors. Her name is Jodi Picoult. I'm sure you've heard of her, and if you haven't, I'm going to go into a little bit about her. Jodi Picoult is the number one best-selling author of 25 novels, including My Sister's Keeper, 19 Minutes, The Storyteller, Leaving Time, the acclaimed number one bestseller, Small Great Things, which explored the issues of power, privilege, and race and has sold more than 1.5 million copies. Picoult's most recent novel, A Spark of Light, published on October 2, 2018, was her 10th consecutive instant number one New York Times bestseller and was praised as Picold as uh, was praised as Picold at her favorite fearless sorry at her fearless best by the Washington Post. Now I'm on her website jodypicold.com. Picold uh, and I'm reading from that. So Picold's books have been translated into 34 languages in 35 countries. Four novels, The Pack, Plain Truth, The Tenth Circle, and Salem Falls have been made into television movies. My sister keep my sister's keeper is a phenomenal book, but was a film released from New Line Cinema with Nick Casavetes directing and Cameron Diaz starring. If you have not seen that, it's an amazing story. Read the book, read the book first, then watch the film. Small Great Things has been optioned for motion picture adaptation. 
And uh, there's also Picot's two young adult novels, Between the Lines and Off the Page, co-written with her daughter Samantha Van Leer, have been adapted and developed by the authors into a musical entitled Between the Lines, which had its world premiere in September 2017 at the Kansas City Repertory Repertory Theater and is expected to premiere off-Broadway in summer 2019. So this was something that um, had been worked on for her. And those are that's a little bit about Jodi Picoult. But she has such an amazing trajectory of books. I've read, um, I know I started with uh, My Sister's Keeper was one of my first, The Pact, The Tenth Circle. But the way that she writes, and as soon as you open the page, you start reading from from these books and the way that that she hooks you into into her uh, uh, into her stories and the characters the characters all drive her stories like for example when you're reading the pact which is very emotional there's so much to that that book i will read you a little bit the pact in this contemporary tale of love and friendship Jody Peacock brings to life brings to life a familiar world and in a single terrifying moment awakens every parent's worst fear. We think we know our children, but do we really know them at all? Jo- uh, and then it says, uh, for 14 years, the pack paints a portrait of families. Okay, let's see. It, it's Let me go into this. The pack paints a portrait of families in anguish over a suicide pact between a teenage couple, which leaves one of them dead and the other one on trial for murder. So let's let's read a little bit. For 14 years, the hearts and the golds have lived next door to each other, sharing everything from Chinese food to chicken pox to carpal duty. They've grown so close, it seems that seems they have always been a part of each other's lives. Parents and children alike have been best friends, so it's no surprise that in high school, Chris and Emily's friendship blossoms into something more. They've been soulmates since they were born. So when midnight calls from the hospital come in, no one is ready for the appalling truth. Emily is dead at 17 from a gunshot wound to the head. There's a single unspent bullet in the gun that Chris took from his father's cabinet bullet that Chris tells police he intended for himself, but a local detective has doubts about the suicide pact that Chris has described. The profound questions faced by the characters in this heart-rendering novel are those we can all relate to. How well do we ever really know our children, our friends? What if, as its chapters unfold, alternating between an idyllic past and an unthinkable present, the pack paints an indeliable portrait of families in anguish, culminating in an astonishingly suspenseful, court, suspenseful courtroom drama as Chris finds himself on trial for murder. With, with this riveting psychological drama, Jody P. Cole explores the dynamics of intimate relationships under stress from the seemingly inexplainable mind of a teenager to the bonds of friendship and marriage. Few writers have such a gift for evoking everyday life coupled with the ability to create 
a level of dramatic tension that will keep you up reading late into the night. The pack is storytelling at its best, wonderfully observed, deeply moving, and utterly impossible to put down. And uh, if when I'm reading, um, this is a little bit about the pack. This is this was a very emotional novel, and she writes on the author's note says, like everyone, I've joked about my seven-year-old son growing up to marry the daughter of my best friend which led me to write this book. It's the story of the hearts and the goals, two families who've been neighbors and friends forever and who are thrilled when their eldest offspring begins to date. But then a terrifying phone call comes that makes the parents reevaluate whom exactly they can trust and how well they know their children. So this is what, what the, this is an excerpt from The Pact. There was nothing left to say. He covered her body with his And as she put her arms around him, she could picture him in all his incarnations. Age five and still blonde, age 11, sprouting, age 13, with the hands of a man. The moon rolled slow, eyed in the night sky, and she breathed in the scent of his skin. I love you, she said. He kissed her so gently, she wondered if she had imagined it. She pulled back slightly to look into his eyes, and then there was a shot. When the telephone rang at three in the morning, James Hart was instantly awake. He tried to imagine what could possibly have gone wrong with Miss Greenblatt because that was his most potentially emergent case. He groped across the bed, across where his wife would have been on a night she wasn't working for the telephone. Yes? Is this Mr. Hart? This is Dr. Hart, James amended. Dr. Hart, this is Officer Stanley of the Brainbridge Police Your son has been injured and he's been taken to Bainbridge Memorial Hospital. James felt his throat working up sentences that tangled around each other. Is he? Was there a car accident? There was a brief pause. No, sir, the officer said. James' heart twisted. Thank you, he said, hanging up, although he did not know why he was thanking someone who had brought him such horrible news. The moment the receiver was back, in place, he had a thousand questions to ask. Where was Christopher Hurt, critically or superficially? Was Emily still with him? What had happened? James dressed in the clothes he'd already thrown into the hamper and made his way downstairs in a matter of minutes. The hospital, he knew, would take him 17 minutes to reach. He was already speeding down Wood Hollow Road when he picked up the car phone and dialed Gus. What did they say? Melanie asked for the tenth time. What did they say exactly? Michael buttoned the fly of his jeans and stuffed his feet into tennis shoes. He remembered too late that he didn't have on socks. And then, and then it, uh, uh, he didn't have the socks. Michael, he glanced up. That M was injured and that she'd been taken to the hospital. His hands were shaking, yet he was, a, he was somewhat amazed to find himself able to do what was necessary. Push Mel toward the door, find his car keys, plot the fastest route to Bainbridge Memorial. He had hypothetically wondered what would happen if a phone call came in the middle of the night, a phone call that had the power to render one speechless and disbelieving. He had expected deep down that he'd be a basket case, and yet he Here he was, backing carefully out of his driveway, holding up, well, the only betraying panic, a tiny tick in his cheek. James operates there, Melanie was saying, a soft slurred litany. 
he'll know who we should contact, what we should do. And and it goes on like she is a master wordsmith. Like like when you're reading her stories, you you see, you can feel the agony, the it, what's going on. And this is this is just one of her books. This is for the pact. And she has many books. Uh, um, she had you need if you have not read any of her, of Jody Pico's books, you should. They're always it has something that intrigues you and 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 takes you back. And she, this is why I wanted to start the author spotlight with her because, as I recommend books, she has she literally is one of the authors for which I uh, aspired. You know, my writing like I wanted to. Um, you know, she she uh, is, was a big inspiration in my in me when I started writing, and she still is because she really uh, connects with her characters. And I've always said that, uh, you know, she said in an interview that I saw, I think she was talking to Katie Couric on one of her interviews, where she talks about her, you know, her stories and. She, she thinks of them as ideas, like what, like if an idea of what if, and and then if she can think of what of situation, then it, it can become a novel. And then the characters start taking over and talking to her and then, and carry her story. And that, and that's, well, that's one of the things I love about hearing about her, her work and how she gets really into the research and, and the characters and and all the uh, all the great story that 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 she writes and she writes about many many types of subjects that uh like for example my sister's keeper the book um it says um my sister's keeper anna is not sick but she might as well be by age 13 she has undergone countless surgeries transfusions <coughs> and shots so that her older sister Kate can somehow fight the leukemia that has plagued her since childhood. The product of pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, Anna was conceived as a bone marrow match for Kate, a life in a role that she has never questioned until now. It says, "My sister keep my sister's keeper examines what it means to be a good parent, a good sister, and a good person." Is it morally correct to do whatever it takes to save a child's life? It says, uh, like most teenagers, Anna is beginning to question who she truly is. But unlike most teenagers, she has always been defined in terms of her sister. And so Anna makes a decision that for most would be unthinkable, a decision, a decision that will tear her family apart and have perhaps fatal consequences for the sister she loves. My sister's keeper examines what it means to be a good parent, a good sister, a good person. Is it morally correct to do whatever it takes to save a child's life, even if that means infringing upon the rights of another? Is it worth trying to discover who you really are? That quest makes you like yourself less. The 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 story behind my sister's keeper. At age five, Jody's son Jay came down with cholesteatoma a benign tumor in his left ear. However, it can get to the brain and kill you, so you've got to get rid of it. We took an experimental approach that required multiple surgeries, 13 of them. Had we used a more traditional approach, Jake would have been profoundly deaf. 
So she wrote from from her experience, and I'm I'm reading off her um, all of her uh, on her website. I, I definitely don't want to take away from that. But an excerpt from my sister's keeper says, "When I was little, the great mystery to me wasn't how babies were made, but why." The mechanics I understood, my older brother Jesse had filled me in. Although at the time I was sure he'd heard half of it wrong, other kids my age were busy looking up the words, uh, other words or other things in the classroom dictionary when the teacher had her back turned. But I paid attention to different details, like why some mothers only had one child while others seemed to multiply before your eyes. Or how the new girl in school, Sedona, told anyone who listened that she was named for the place where her parents were vacationing when they made her. Good thing they weren't staying in Jersey City, my father used to say. Now that I'm 13, these distinctions are only more complicated. The 8th grader who dropped out of school because she got into trouble. A neighbor who got herself pregnant in the hope it would keep her husband from filing for divorce. I'm telling you, if aliens landed on Earth today and took a good hard look at why babies get born, they'd conclude that most people have children by accident or because they drink too much on a certain night or because birth control isn't 100% or for a thousand other reasons that really aren't very flattering. On the other hand, I was born for a very specific purpose. I wasn't the result of a cheap bottle of wine or a full moon or the heat of the moment. I was born because a scientist managed to hook up my mother's eggs and my father's sperm and come up with a special combination of precious precious genetic material. In fact, when Jesse told me how babies get made and I how babies get made and I, the great disbeliever decided to ask my parents the truth. I got more than I bargained for. They sat me down told me all the usual stuff, of course, but they also explained that they chose little embryonic me specifically because I could save my sister Kate. We loved you even more, my mother made sure to say, because we knew what what exactly we were getting. Made me wonder, though, what would have happened if Kate had been healthy? If Kate... If Kate been healthy, chances are I'd still be floating up in heaven or wherever, waiting to be attached to a body to spend some time on earth. Certainly I would not be part of this family. See, unlike the rest of the free world, I didn't get here by accident. And if your parents have have you for a reason, then that reason better exist because once it's gone, so are you. So this is a, a very, obviously very personal one. Um, that she shares about my sister's keeper, as she explained about, you know, in her, you know, how she writes these stories and comes up with them. But this was more close to home for her, even though the story had changed, you know, and uh, she she writes very personal, fictional stuff, but it's also close to things that, you know, that she has that are, you know, that, that she that she can relate to or or things that are what if like she said what if and then of course there's the let's see change of heart and I have the paper back to that okay let me see here this one is a gripping tale of a mother's tragic loss and one man's last chance at gaining salvation. Can we save ourselves or do 
or do we rely on others to do it? Is what we believe always the truth? Change of Heart looks at the nature of organized religion and belief and takes the reader behind the closely drawn curtains of America's death penalty. Okay, so it is, let's see here, hold on. Another rip from the Zygis winner, Peacold moves the story along with lively debates about prisoner rights and religion while plumbing the depths of mother-daughter relationships and examining the literal and metaphorical meanings of having heart, an impressive book. So here we're going to read a little bit about this book here. Shay, okay, Shay Bourne, New Hampshire's first death row prisoner. Okay, give me a second here. Shay Bourne, New Hampshire's first death row prisoner in 69 years, has only one last request to donate his heart post-execution to the sister of his victim who is looking for a transplant. Bourne says it's the only way he can redeem himself, but with lethal injection as his form of execution, this is medically impossible. So, enter Father Michael Wright, a young local priest, called in as Shea's spiritual advisor. He knows redemption has nothing to do with organ donation and plans to convince Bourne. But then Bourne begins to perform miracles at the prison that are witnessed by officers, fellow inmates, and even Father Michael. And the media begins to call him a messiah. Could an unkempt bipolar convicted murderer be a savior? Seems highly unlikely to the priest until he realizes that the things Shay says may not come from the Bible, but are verbatim from a gospel that the early Christian church rejected 2,000 years ago and that is still considered heresy. Change of Heart looks at the nature of organized religion and belief, takes the reader behind the closely drawn curtains. Sorry, give me a second here. I was trying to read and I, I kind of clicked it too fast. Give me a second here. Okay. Okay, what happened here? I'm sorry, guys. Give me a second to go back to this one. Because I was trying to click it and then it went to something else. So my. Uh, let me go back to this. Of course, we're live. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying this so far. It's. Uh, Okay. Okay, she says. Okay. Okay, let's see. Where are we? Where were we? Sorry. Give me a second here. Uh, okay. Change of heart. Looks at the nature of organized religion and belief and takes the reader behind the closely drawn curtains of America's death penalty. Featuring the return of Ian Fletcher from Keeping Faith, it also asks whether religion and politics truly are separate in this country or inextricably tangled. Does religion make us more tolerant or less? Do we believe what we do because it's right or because it's too frightening to admit that we not might we that we might not have the answers? 
the Boston Globe said, The disturbing, thought-provoking questions Peacold poses about capital punishment, the ethics of organ donation, and the moral dilemma of telling the truth at all costs go well beyond the issue of whether Shay will be allowed to die in a way that preserves his heart, whether Claire will accept it as her own. So, basically, this is, uh, you know, this this story obviously is very controversial, and she has a lot of books that, that um very emotional about different scenarios, and she has many, many novels that that will, you know, as soon as you start reading them, you get very involved, very entangled, but this is why she writes what she writes, and I've always uh, admired uh, Jodi Picoult. She's one of my favorite authors of all time. And uh, I, I hope one day, you know, if she ever listens to my podcast, she'll be able to come and, and, and you know, or do an interview, um, an audio interview, of course. Um, and I hope one day I get to, you know, meet her and, 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 and ask her so many questions about her writing. Because, like I said, I, I've, uh, I am an author that has, you know, started writing because she was one of my most influential authors, you know, um, aside from Essie Hinton, Jody Picoult, and uh, there's there's many others, of course, that I admire. But uh, Jody Picoult. We're back to the Daily with Silstein on Anchor FM presents the Coffee Chronicles author spotlight uh, on the books by amazing author, best-selling author Jody Picoult. I'm sorry that it got interrupted. Uh, like I've I said, I was saying Jody Picoult is among the top of my favorite authors of all time. Uh, there are others, but she is among the one of my uh, favorites because of the, 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 the topics she tackles and her her writing, her descriptive writing. She's a, a natural-born storyteller and, and, of course, wordsmith. And I hope that when, you know, working on this thriller, I forgot to mention her, I, tr- I try to bring a little bit of her on there as well. And I hope, I hope one day if I get to meet her, I get to tell her what a big influence she has been on my books and all the emotion that she brings to with her characters who drive her story. So I, I'm, I, I, I had to uh, speak about her books. And I'm going to read an excerpt of Change, from Change of Heart. Lucius. This is uh, from Lucius, or one of her characters. I have no idea where there were... I have no idea where they were keeping Shay Bourne before they brought him to us. I knew he was an inmate here at the state prison in Concord. I can still remember watching the news the day his sentence was handed down so I could scrutinize an outside world that was staring to fade in my mind. The rough stone of the prison exterior, the golden dome of the state house, even just the general shape of door that wasn't made of metal and wire mesh. His conviction was a subject of great discussion on the pod all those years ago. Where do you keep an inmate who's been sentenced to death when your state hasn't had a death row for ages? Rumor had it that, in fact, the prison did have a pair of death row cells not too far from my own humble abode in the secure housing unit on I-Tier, Crash Vital, who had something to say about everything. 
although no one bothered to listen, told us that the old death row cells were stacked with the thin plastic slabs that passed for mattresses here. I wondered for a while what happened to all those extra mattresses after Shay arrived. One thing for sure, no one offered to give them to us. Moving cells is routine in prison. They don't like you to become too attached to anything. The 15 years I've been here, I've been moved eight different times. The cells, of course, all look alike. What's different is who's next to you, which is why Shay's arrival. Give me a second here. Shay's arrival on I-Tier was a great interest to all of us as he was escorted in by a phalanx, a phalanx of six correctional officers wearing helmets and flak jackets and face shields. We came forward to the front of our cells pressed up against the plexiglass in our doors to better see. So this is a little excerpt of the change of heart. And uh, and and I've read some of her excerpts, The Pack, My Sister's Keeper. She has many others. I hope you will check out the books by amazing and best-selling author Jody Peekle because she's amazed. She's just wonderful. And uh, I hope you enjoyed today. The Daily Whistle Stein on Anchor FM presents the Coffee Chronicles. I'm enjoying my cup of coffee. I hope you have a happy Wednesday. I'll be back with more book recommendations. Hope you'll check out and download all the episodes on the Daily Whistle Stand on Anchor FM. Uh, on, on the Daily Whistle Stand on Anchor FM presents the Coffee Chronicles. I have updated my cover art. I have it available on many platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Overcast, Breaker. There's many others that have that have become available. So I hope that um, I hope that. Um, Everything will be available. Um, I hope that uh, you will check out the available episodes. Have a great one and thank you and have a most amazing and blessed Wednesday. These are the Coffee Chronicles and on the Daily Whistle Stein on Anchor FM. Have a great one and thank you for joining me today. Have a most amazing Wednesday because it all begins with coffee and books. Have a great one.